you, thank you, thank you. I love what the psalmist said. He's in the 47th number, I believe, verse number one. He says, oh, clap your hands, all you people. He says, shout with the voice of triumph. When you know that you have victory, when you know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, you can shout victory even when you don't see it in the natural. Can I get a witness? Because I don't know about you, but see, I serve a God that the Bible says he's the God that calleth those things which be not as though they already are. That's the kind of God we serve. He tells us what we are even when we don't see it ourselves. And I thank God for that. I thank God that we serve that type of God. So, guys, we're going to jump back into our uh, lesson text. We'll go back to the book of Jude. Um, We'll begin our reading at verse number one. And we've been coming from this message title, Get Ready to Fight. Everybody say, Get Ready to Fight. Uh, Starting at verse one in the book of Jude. The text says this, and reading from the New Living Translation, it says, This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I'm writing to all who have been called by God, the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. Verse number two, three, may God give you more and more mercy. There it is, peace and what? Love. How many of y'all could use a double dose of mercy, peace, and love. I, listen, that, that peace thing, that song that you're saying just keeps ringing in my ear because some of y'all, if you had never been, had your peace disrupted in your home, you can't really appreciate that song. But there have been times in Mary and I's 32 years, no, 35 years of marriage. Can I get a witness? <laughs> oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, there have been times in our 35 years of marriage, guys, I will tell you unashamedly, uh, not proudly, but unashamedly that, that there have been times where the peace has been disrupted. If I got two honest people, two honest couples out there, you'll raise your hand and say, Pastor, I feel you. Yeah, that, that's, that's three or four honest. The rest of y'all ain't really honest. You know, you. But there have been times when peace has been disrupted in our marital relationship. That's why we always we, we put, put a great deal of importance on, on pouring into marriages. And we, when we have our marriage retreat this weekend, it ain't just for folks who get ready to go to divorce court. Marriage retreats are, are like a tune up. How many of y'all know every car needs to be tuned up? Every car needs to have preventive maintenance. Because if you keep driving that car, don't change the oil, don't rotate the tires, don't do all the other stuff that's necessary in order for it to run smoothly. At some point in time, prematurely, it will stop running at peak performance. So whenever it's not peace in our home, guys, I'm telling you, that's the most miserable thing that you can experience because you go to work. And you know, sometimes it depends on where you work, there ain't no peace there either, right? And then if you go to work and there ain't no peace, you go to the to fast food restaurant and there's no peace. Huh? You go to the ball game, there's no peace. And you come home and there's no peace. Man, what a miserable place you find yourself in. But I thank God that he's brought peace. Amen. In, in those times when it came, when, we, when God restored peace, man, it makes it feel so great. So I like the peace of God. May God give you mercy and more and more mercy, peace, and love. Look at verse number three. I want to stop here and I want to read it from the, the King James Version of the Scripture also. He says, Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his what? Holy people, to his holy people. So Jude is writing here. Jude is the half-brother of Jesus, all right, the brother uh, uh, of James, uh, and he's writing here, and he started to write about the common salvation, But because of what was going on in this church, the Holy Spirit gave him uh, called an audible. and He began to address some serious concerns that was happening in the church because the church can have some serious concerns. And, and, And as he writes this, he's writing this because there were people, false teachers who had slipped into the church and began to bring disruption to that body. Let's read the same verse because verse 3 is our key verse, remember? And we're going to read this from the King James Version of the Scripture, but I like the way it reads. KJV verse says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence 
to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should what? Earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That you earnestly contend. Earnestly is an adverb that describes the way you should contend. To contend means to be in contention. To mean to be fighting. That means to be competing because there are people who slept, who creeped into the church. These false teachers, many who believe, many will follow what, what we know as Gnosticism. The Gnostic didn't believe that the flesh was, uh, was, had anything to do with eternity. And so they said that since your flesh has nothing to do with eternity, you can do whatever you want to do in your flesh and still be okay with God. As a matter of fact, uh, two of the main things that they, that they did was basically th- these Gnostics, uh, even not so much their teaching as it was, they were, they were promoting a, a theology that says that it doesn't matter what you do in your day-to-day life. Just come to church. Worship God and go and do whatever you want to do because it doesn't matter. Your body is not important. I got news for you. The Bible tells us we've all been what? Bought with the price and we should glorify God in our bodies and in our spirit which belong to him. Two of the the main things that that they were promoting loose living in, it related to money and sex. Money and sex has been a problem for a long time, hasn't it? Don't y'all look at me. Everybody wants money. Okay, y'all want to play me this morning, huh? How many of y'all out there don't want any money? Okay, thank you. Now, these these are for all the, let let me say this. It's money and sex. Two things that people in the church don't want to talk about, but everybody wants. Two things in the church that the Bible explicitly teaches on and talks about, but in the church we're like, shh, 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 don't say anything about it. We better say something about it because the enemy is using those two things to disrupt the church. Are y'all with me today? And so so that these, these, these Gnostics, these, these false teachers were telling them, hey guys, don't, you are your own person. Sound like the Americanized version of Christianity. You're your own person. You're independent. And if you choose to do that, that's okay. If you choose not to do that, that's okay also because you're your own person. I'm here to tell you that's not kingdom principle. That's not kingdom living. God says that he came to be our Lord and our Savior. And these false teachers had snuck into the church and began to tell these believers that you can do whatever you want to do and nobody has the right to say anything to you because you're your own person. So that false teaching now Jude has to attack. And we talked about this on last week that it's critically important for us to, to get prepared, to, be, to, to earnestly contend to, to with, 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 with firmness and vigor and vitality. We have to defend the faith. When I say defend the faith, in other words, don't allow erroneous teaching to permeate without it being challenged based off of what scripture teaches us. Now, guys, I I got news for you. That's why it's important that Jesus told us to to go and make disciples because disciples are learned ones, those who are followers of Christ, those who emulate their rabbi. rabbi. We've been called to emulate and follow Christ. Paul even said, follow me as I follow Christ. But But in this church, Jude has to address this issue because they had come in and begin to disrupt the church and promote this false doctrine, this false teaching that, that, uh, that you can do whatever you want to do and God's okay with it. And so what, what Jude does here, he gives three examples. We left off last week talking about the first example. We won't go back and repeat that. But the first, he gives three examples in the Holy Scripture where God judged uh, rebellion against his word. God judged sinfulness. Now, when I say sinfulness, guys, understand what I'm saying. These guys were promoting a lifestyle of sin, a lifestyle. In other words, a way of living that says we can come to church and we can do our own thing. A lifestyle. Now, if I don't even have to be a betting man to win this bet, everybody in here that's born again has had a time period where you messed up along the way. Just look at yourself and nod at your own self. You've been saved. 
But I promise you, you made choices and decisions that were against God's word, right? And, and, and you've messed up. And guys, when a Christian messes up, it ought to be that we are overtaken in a fault and not that we're just wallowing in sin without any fear of a retribution, without any fear of judgment from God. Because that's what these guys are teaching them, that it's okay, God is okay with it. But now what Jude does is Jude gives examples of God's judging those who were apostates. I told you on last week, what is an apostate? An apostate is, is a person that rejects God's teaching and begins to follow and, and embrace false teaching. He rejects God's truth and begin to embrace false teaching. That's what an apostate is. They, they can hear what is being taught properly, contextually in the word of God, and then they reject that. All right? So the first example he gave was the nation of Israel, right? We saw that on last week. And here today, we, the second example he gives is that of fallen angels. And, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but, but I, I do want to share with you because it's, it's critically important for us to understand that, that God loves every last one of us in here. I don't care who you are. If you are born into this world, God loves you. But that does not mean he loves everything that we do. Are y'all with me today? Go with me, if you will, real quickly and, and, uh, to, to the book of uh, Isaiah, uh, because I want to just share this with you right quick. There are two important passages in the word of God concerning the origin and the fall of Satan and his, and his, and his angels, his fallen angels. Uh, let's go real quickly to uh, Isaiah, the 14th chapter. And we'll, let's look at that from the King James Version of Scripture. Isaiah 14, J, if you can find it, verse number 12. Isaiah 14, verse number 12. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but what I'm trying to get you to understand is, is that Jew lets them know I'm giving you three examples because they had studied Old Testament doctrine and Old Testament theology. They understood uh, the Mosaic Covenant. And so now he's he letting them know that God brought judgment in these three situations that you are familiar with. So don't go around being confident that you can live however you want to live and not be subject to God's chastisement. Amen? Discipline has to be the order of the day because I promise you guys, if there is no form of discipline, if there's no form of law and order, people will run buck wild. Why do you think it is that whenever, say for instance, a hurricane hits and, 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 and a place is left desolate, why do you think they send in the National Guard? To secure and to protect. Because if you don't have, amen, somebody protecting, the sinfulness of, sinfulness of man will rise to the surface and people will begin to do all kinds of crazy stuff. Because they, they don't have a boundary there, something to keep them from going wild. Sin is in the heart of man. Watch what the text says. It says, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Keep reading. It says, for thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven, and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Verse number 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like what? The most high. Now, guys, understand this. Satan or Lucifer, Beelzebub, whatever you want to call him, was created as a ministering angel. All right? He was actually, many theologians think that he was one of the ones who led the chorus of angels who did nothing all day but, but sit around the throne and worship God. But somewhere along the line, Satan got full of himself. All right? He got full of himself and decided that, that I want to exalt my position up to the same position or above God. Everybody say pride. Pride got in him. He was a ministering angel. By all accounts, uh, theologically speaking, he was beautiful, adorned. But he got stuck on himself. Any of y'all ever got stuck on yourself? You know what it means to be stuck on yourself? That means you, 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 you spend five hours in the mirror looking at yourself. Thinking you're the most beautiful thing that's ever been created. And the world revolves around you. Satan decided that he was going to, he says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. Satan, again, was created as one of the, the hosts of one of the hosts of the angelic beings, he was an anointed cherub. He was the captain of the cherubic host, guys. And, but sometime prior 
to, 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 to the creation of the natural order, Satan became so vain and so stuck on himself, he decided to exalt himself up to the same level of God. You know, the Bible talks about three heavens. There's the heaven that we, we look at, the atmosphere above the earth. And then there is the above that is in, it, it's the second heaven where angelic beings float out there in space that you have angels moving back and forth uh, uh, doing warfare. Because y'all remember the Bible talks about the fact that, that, that ministering angels come and serve. They ministering angels are, are, are there for our protection. So you have that second heaven. And then the third heaven is where the God who created heaven and earth reside. So Satan wanted to move from where he was properly placed as a ministering angel to exalt himself up to the same level of God. Everybody said it was pride. Pride got in the way. So because of that, we see he was... Uh, and I don't have time to go through all the scripture, but you know it in Revelation talking about the fact that he was cast down from heaven. And along with him, he influenced others to come along with him. So Jude uses the example of the fallen angels to let us know that, that, um, uh, that God does judge rebellion. He, he does judge pride. As a matter of fact, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter we're going to write quick. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. And let's start reading at verse number 18. We're going to see something. God hates pride. And man has, a, it's, it's, man has the tendency to fall into pride unbeknownst to himself. Man has the tendency to begin to exalt himself up against the knowledge of God. Man has a tendency to, to, to think that he's a little bit more important than what he is. And watch what he says here uh, in 1 Corinthians the eight, chapter number 1, verse number 18. The text says this, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Next verse says this, watch this. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Watch, look what it says there. I will destroy what? The wisdom of the wise. The wisdom of those, the, those who according to this world standard are wise. Guys, let me say this. And it's going to come out here real quickly as we go down and walk through this. Do not trust in your intelligence to try to understand God. That's the thing that the Bible warns us. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. The more, and again, this, this is not a knock on education because I'm educated. I thank God for it. I thank God that my degree opened doors for me and gave me opportunities I would not have had otherwise. But whenever you get to the point as a human being where you think that your knowledge that you've gained through the educational process makes you smarter than God, then therein we have a problem. And what God says is you're going to see it all throughout scripture. God says this, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Verse number 20, let's read, let's go. So where does this lead the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look what? Foolish. Again, look at what he says. Where, where does this lead the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Look at verse number 21. It says what? Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. Do you not know that a lot of people think you're foolish for coming and listening to Doyle Adams every Sunday? Or any other preacher that you go to, whatever church you go to, they think that, why would you go and listen to somebody talk about something that's a fairy tale in their minds? This is why. God in his wisdom, saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. Because if, if he did, think how prideful the person who's the most educated person would be. You already have a tough time with folks who think that, okay, because I have this and I have this, I'm, I'm better than you. So what God says, I'm going to do, I'm going to take something that's foolish as preaching to transform a whole generation. So that the wisdom of man can't understand why you would come and hear word and allow that word to transform your life. Let's keep reading. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven and it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. Next verse says what? So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended. All right. They're offended. And the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. Gentiles, Greeks, philosophers. Educated theologians say it's all Greek. It's all nonsense. Next verse says what? 
But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 25, let's read together. Come on, let's go. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Keep reading. It says this. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. He's talking to those who are followers of Christ. At this time, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He says, you guys who are following Christ now, who are leading this church, none of y'all were thought, thought very much of according to the world's standard. All right? And there's a reason why God does that. Watch this. He says, instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Are y'all with me today? But watch this. God said God chose things despised by the world, things counting as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Now, why did God do that? Why did God choose to use those people who, who many think to be insignificant, why did God use those, those apostles who never went to theological seminary? Nothing wrong with seminary, but some of those seminaries are like cemeteries. Are y'all with me? Go back and look at it. Jesus did not choose the most educated guys. That's why the world was confounded because they're like, how can these guys have this much wisdom and they didn't go to the best schools? Now, if you listen to me, if you listen to me with a critical ear, you're going to think I'm down in education, which I'm not. What I'm saying is don't trust your education. Get it, but don't trust it. Get it and trust God. Because what, what God did was God says, listen, I know man, I made him. And man will think that he's all that because he's accomplished this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use people who people don't think very much of. And I'm going to use them to, to turn the world upside down. God chose things inspired by the world, things counted nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Look at, verse, look at the next verse. Watch this. As a result, why do you do it? No one can ever boast in the presence of God. Let's go to the KJV and read 28 and 29 together. I need y'all to see this because God judged Satan because Satan tried to exalt himself on the same level as God above God. And God will not share his glory with any of us. Whenever a person on earth tries to get glory that belongs to God, watch out, downfall is coming. The Bible says pride goeth before destruction and a haughty and a built up spirit before fall. And so God hates pride. It's in the scripture, he hates pride. And the sinfulness of pride can be so pervasive in America because we think we are better than anybody else. We think we are, we, we are superior to anybody else. And what God is saying, I need you to have a kingdom mindset. And the kingdom mindset says that if it was not for the Lord on my side, I would be nothing. Watch the text here. And base things of the world and things that, which are despised have God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Look at 29. Why did he do that? So that no flesh should glory in his presence. God has a problem when we try to steal his glory. All right. Say, for instance, you do something uh, that's spectacular and you call the news team to come out and watch you do the work of ministry because you want to be on TV. Or you sing a song and then after church, you want to come. Hey, did y'all, did y'all hear me sing that song? How did it make you feel? Mm-hmm, yeah, I was on it. Then I, I, I had sister over there shouting. Man, this, you, you see her raving her hand? Because I was on the mic. Now, people may not be that bold and audacious, but inside, you know, if you sing it for the glory of God or for the glory of yourself, you got, let me, let me back up. Maybe you don't even know, but God knows. God knows when you do something for your own glory versus trying to glorify him. And I've said it before and I've said it again, as a church, as it, our mindset will always be, it is never about Doyle Adams. It is never about you. It's always about Jesus. We're going to lift him up. And if we lift him up, he'll draw all men unto himself. So God hates pride, so he judges it. He judges it with Satan and the fallen angels. So that was the second example that God gave. Uh, uh, Jude gave, first, the nation of Israel. Secondly, he gave the example of 
uh, the fallen angels, Satan and the fallen angels, they were kicked out of heaven. And here's the beauty of it, guys. They were kicked out of heaven. And what God does is, one of the reasons why God uses man to show the heavenly host, a, teach a lesson. What God does is, what, one of the reasons why God created man and uses man is God, God wants to show the heavenly host that he can do more with less when less is dependent upon him. I got to repeat that. I like that myself. God says, I can do more with less when less is dependent upon me. Are you with me today? God uses man and Satan is always trying to disrupt God's plan because when Satan was kicked out of heaven, every time God goes to do something good, Satan comes along with an imitation. Are there imitation churches? Yes. Are there imitation ministries? Yes. Because the, the devil will transform himself, the Bible says, into an angel of light to appear as if he's part of God's plan. And he'll use that, that transformation because you first look at him, you think, wow, that's a great person until you get to know him. How many of y'all got some people in, you, in your life when you first met them and you observed them for a, for a couple of weeks, you thought, man, this is a great guy. Man, this is a great lady until you married him. <laughs> Hello? Until you start dating them for a while. And you figured out something is not quite right with this individual. Because what you see initially is not what is really there. You better spend time and use the spirit of discernment and allow God to show you where people are coming from. Because the devil is, 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 the Bible says he transforms himself into an angel of light. Why does he do that? Because he tries to disrupt everything that God does. He comes along and brings an invitation. Because he's trying to discredit the work of God. But God chose the foolish thing in this world to confound the wise so that no flesh could glory in his presence. So if you're doing anything for God and you're seeking self-glory, you don't get any reward for that. Are y'all, y'all track with me? So Satan, Satan got beside himself, so God had to judge him. The third example, and we won't go into this one real heavily, the third example that Jude, Jude, Jude uses is Sodom and Gomorrah. When God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their, their, their wickedness, because of their, their lack of moral fortitude. Uh, I want to share something with you because uh, uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah, there was a lot of sexual immorality. And guys, I'm going to tell you today in the, in, in, in this world that we live in, sexual immorality is, has always been running rampant. So it's nothing new under the sun. I, I need y'all to hear me. We, we, we come to, sometimes we, sometimes we don't have a broader, broader view of history. We think that what's happening now is something new. Sodom and Gomorrah's example of the stuff that, we live, that we're dealing with today as it relates to sexual immorality has always been in the earth. Listen to this real quickly. 30% of all website traffic involves pornography. 30%. 20 is the length, 20 is the length of time in minutes that the average guest spends on a site per visit. One, 11 is the average age of which a child first sees porn online. Listen to that. The average age in which a child sees porn online is 11. That's average. And some, some surveys say it's as young as eight years old. So parents, I want to tell you something. Don't you sit there and let your child st- stay stuck up in that room on this device and you don't know, have no clue, idea what they're looking at online. Come on, parents. It's time for you to start parenting again. Don't throw them in the room and say, okay, take the tablet and go in there and stay for five hours and don't bother me. You don't know what they're watching in there. And, and listen, this is not just the children that are not going to church. This is not just the, the men and the women who are outside of church. This is happening with people in the church. 4.4 billion. That's the average page views monthly of one of the web's, web's leading porn sites. $4.9 billion. That's the annual global porn industry revenue. Almost $5 billion. 67% of men who's 67% of men say they view porn as being acceptable behavior. Listen to this. I, I read this to you before. The most popular day of the week for viewing porn is Sunday. 
I don't know why that is. You mean tell me you leave church, hear word from Dawn Adams and go, oh, look at here, look at here. <laughs> the most popular day for viewing porn is Sunday, guys. Listen to this. 70% of Christian men view porn regularly. I need to get this again. 77 out of 10. It's getting a little uncomfortable here. 7 out of 10 view porn regularly. Guys, this problem is not just outside there. It's inside here. And what I'm telling you is that when Jude was writing to the church, that, uh, the, the saints of that church he's writing to, the sexual immorality was pervasive throughout that church. And there were false teachers who were telling them it's okay. I sat, guys, and I sat dumbfounded. Listen to me carefully. I was out more in the yard one Saturday morning. It's about two Saturday mornings ago. And I happened to, the, the, you know, I, I was listening to some news, and I happened to turn it on. It was on MSNBC. And they were talking about porn. And this guy who, who's a professor at one of, uh, one of the universities up on the East Coast, uh, he's, he's one of the, the, the weekend anchors, and he was talking about porn as if it was something that, you know, that, that, that's useful and needful and, 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 and people ought to have access to it. This guy, I listened to this guy before, and I'm like, what in the world is he talking about? You can educate your children, and, 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 and it's something that all should have access to. I'm like, man, do you not realize that, that, that perversion is coming from the enemy, and whenever somebody gets into pornography, it leads to perversion, because what ends up happening is when you look at it at one level, then you get immune to that, then you go for something deeper and harder. I, have, I am convinced that a lot of the molestation, a lot of the rapes, a lot of the stuff that goes on uh, that people don't talk about much, it stems from pornographic images that we know medically that it, it rewires your brain as it relates to sexuality. But Sodom and Gomorrah was awash with sexual immorality and God came in and judged it. Again, we, we, we're going we're gonna to teach us here shortly when the Lord releases me, we're going to preach a sermon on sexuality from a biblical perspective, from a loving standpoint, because I think we as Christians need to know this and see what the word of God says about it and, and love everybody, but, but don't compromise truth for anybody. Are y'all listening to me? Preach the truth. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. Don't compromise truth, but you got to love everybody because because I don't agree with you. Don't mean I don't love you. How many parents can say yes, amen to that? Because you don't agree with your child doesn't mean that you don't love your child. If, if, if love for me is only exhibited by the fact that you do, I, you do whatever I want you to do, then you know, something, something is wrong. I'm talking about us as human beings. Love for God is exhibited by our obedience to his command. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastens it, right? But God says those who love him are those who obey his commandments. So Sodom and Gomorrah was an example of God's judgment coming. So let's... let's Let's keep walking down through here. If the chosen people, the nation of Israel, if the angels and if sinful cities were punished, how much more would these false teachers be severely judged? God was not going to let it go because they were propagating this false doctrine. I can read you all kinds of stats on sexual immorality and the, the hurt and the pain that it causes. There are people, many of y'all still today, because you were molested as a young child, are still suffering uh, with, that, with the, the, the trauma of that. And we got we to gotta, you know, figure out through the word of God how to get that in, and through counseling. I, I believe in counseling, amen. I believe in spiritual counseling. And I believe in clinical counseling. But, I, but, I, but, but we, we, we got to deal with that thing because a lot of this stuff happened and people carry this stuff into adulthood. So he judged Israel, he judged the fallen angels, he judged Sodom and Gomorrah, but he won't judge you. False teacher was saying, hey, do what you want to do. Live like you want to live. You know, obedience to God's word is not, not, not anything that, that you have to be uh, 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 honed to. Uh, just live free because you are a free person. You're your own. Guys, I'm going to tell you, God will judge us. What can we do to oppose the enemy and maintain the purity and the unity of the church. Well, number one, know the word of God 
and have the courage to defend it. Know the word of God and have the courage to defend it. Everybody say, know the word of God. Now again, the word of God has proven itself to be true when properly, again, hear me carefully, properly, contextually, exegeted, and hermeneutically applied. Those are some fancy words for, you know, know what the context was. Don't pluck, I told you before, don't pluck a verse out of context and build a doctrine on it. Know who was writing, who was he writing to, what was the scenario around it, what dispensation it was. Was it under dispensation of law or was it under dispensation of grace? How many of y'all know we're under dispensation of grace now? Everybody say, thank God for grace. Say, thank God for grace. Because under law, man, God did some, some things in his judgment of his people that, 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 that he had to do because he had to protect the seed. Jesus Christ was coming. And if, if the seed was destroyed, then our Savior wouldn't have been born in the manger in Bethlehem, and you and I wouldn't be sitting here now saved, sanctified, on our way to heaven. Can I get a witness? So everybody say, thank God for God. All right. So, so, so know the word of God and have the courage to defend it. Go to 2 Timothy with me right quick. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And let's start our reading. Let's back up to verse number 14, if you will. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 14. All right, so if we have people in the church or people outside of the church telling you what the church should believe and they don't even have a connection with God, it amazes me how we sit and listen to prognosticators and talking heads on television tell you what the church should be doing and they're not even saved. One thing you got to realize is a person who has not had a born-again experience cannot understand the word of God. The Bible tells us that the word of God is spiritually discerned. And even those who are in the church who are not growing spiritually can't understand the word of God because the Holy Spirit imparts revelation knowledge to us. But if I am apart from God, if I'm not connected to God, if I don't spend any time with God, I won't be able to discern the voice of God. Amen? Some of y'all know, your, know, know what your mama would or would not approve of because you've heard her voice. And you've heard daddy's voice. Right? When you know God's voice, because you spent time with him, you begin to discern what is his will and what is not his will. Watch the text here. Paul is writing to Timothy, his young protege in the ministry. Notice what he says. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. Next verse, read. Work hard. So you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. If I can correctly explain the word of truth, I can also incorrectly explain the word of truth. If I am not prayed up, if I'm not depending on God's Holy Spirit to give me revelation knowledge. Look at the next verse, verse 16 for good marriage. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to what? That leads to what? To foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Verse 17, let's go. This kind of talk spreads like cancer. And as in the case of Hymenus and Philemon, these were two church troublemakers, okay? Everybody, everybody know that we have church troublemakers all across this globe, don't you be the church troublemaker. Y'all remember on last Wednesday, a couple of Wednesdays ago, we talked about Diotrephes, the dictator. Diotrephes loved to have the preeminence. He loved to have control over what's going on in the church. And he wouldn't do what's right. And then he would kick anybody out of the church who was doing what's right. God has some great influence, albeit the wrong kind of influence. All right? They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith, all right? So what he said, know the word of God and have the courage to defend it. Go to Proverbs, the fourth chapter with me right quick. Proverbs 4, verse 5 through 7. If we're going to address these Gnostics, if we're going to address these false teachers, if we're going uh, to, really, guys, don't spend your time trying to argue Bible with people who are not saved. Don't do that. That's, that's ridiculous because you'll never convince somebody who's not saved uh, what the word of God says because the word of God can only be understood by the spirit of God giving you revelation knowledge. 
So if they're not saved, they don't have the spirit of God giving them revelation, revelation knowledge. So you're going to try to win an argument with somebody who's not even saved? I, I don't waste my time doing that. If you want to talk about my faith and what God has done for me, let's talk about that. And I'll, I'll tell you from experience what God has done for me. And if I tell you about my Savior and you, it piques your interest, and then we come down and we want to talk about it, let's talk about how you can get saved too. But I'm not going to argue with you about church doctrine when you're not even saved. Why would I do that? Because you're not going to be able to understand it except the Spirit of God give you the revelation. And because you're not saved, the Spirit of God don't abide in you. All right? So save yourself some heartache at the next family reunion. When Thanksgiving comes up, don't sit back and dread, oh, Uncle Bill coming. What are we going to do about Uncle Bill? Well, let Uncle Bill be Uncle Bill. He can come to your house. Let, let him be respected. Don't let him come take over your house. And if you go to Uncle Bill's house, you can't tell Uncle Bill what to do at his house. Are y'all with me? Because you're at his house. If Uncle Bill want to turn up a, a, a 40 ounce, y'all know what a 40 ounce is? <laughs> Some of y'all look at me like, yeah, I know, Pastor. I remember that. Say, thank God for deliverance. Say, thank God for deliverance. All right? So, so, so don't get into these arguments with people like that. Because, again, what ends up doing is you, you end up, you end up, really, you end up running people away uh, because they're not going to understand until they submit their heart to God. All right? So don't do that. All right? Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Listen, listen to what Proverbs says. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Next verse. Let's read. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. If you love wisdom, wisdom and the word are one and the same. So if I, if I don't turn my back on the wisdom of the word, then it will protect me. It will guard me. Verse 7, watch this. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever you else you do, develop some good judgment. KW says wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. But in all you're getting, get some understanding. How many of y'all ever dealt with fellow Christians who don't have much understanding? And, and, and what do you do? You say, bless their heart, bless their heart. Guys, wisdom is important, but wisdom comes from God's word. If you really, I challenge you, if you really want to get wise in the day-to-day issues of life, just go and study Proverbs every day of the week. If it's, if it's the first day of the week, read through Proverbs 1. Just read through Proverbs. And if you just do Proverbs, I promise you, you make wiser decisions. I'll tell you before, Proverbs even says something about co-signing for a loan. How many of y'all ever co-signed for somebody and got burned? I, listen, I, as an ex-banker, you know when I went after a co-signer when I didn't think you were going to pay it? And you know why I didn't think you were going to pay it? Based off of how you paid before? Hello? And so you, rather than break up your friendship... Rather than get twisted and all bit out of shape because your child stopped paying the note, Proverbs says, don't be surety for a loan or don't co-sign or don't back it up. Uh, I, I much rather make the loan myself and give you the car than to put it in your name, expecting you to pay it and you don't pay it. And then now we, we got some, some all, you know, you didn't pay it last month because they called me. <laughs> right? Proverbs says, don't do it. Don't do it. Like Fred Sanford told him, don't do it, dummy. <laughs> don't do it. Wisdom. Wisdom says don't do it. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatsoever you do, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Good judgment. But see, doing that comes from knowing the word of God. Joshua 1 and 8 from the KJV says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, observing to do according to all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. That's Joshua 1 and 8. That's God talking to his nation, his chosen nation, Israel, as he's bringing them to the cusp of the promised land. If you will just take this word of God, meditate in it day and night, and observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you shall make your way prosperous. And then you have good success. God has no problem with you being prosperous. Oh, he said prosperous. Is he preaching the prosperity? I'm just reading what the word says. He says here, 
Think about this for a second. If God had a problem um, with us prospering, financially speaking, then he wouldn't have called Job an upright man because Job was a very rich man. Abraham was rich. And again, it's not about the richness because God, God, God just wants to be able to use you to do whatever he needs you to do. He doesn't want you to trust in riches. Okay, okay, if, if, you, if you think God is not about money, well, then you quit your job and then just, just wait on the Lord to just come, come through for you. <laughs> if it's not about money, turn down the next raise that's offered to you. Come on, can we, can we be honest about this? Sometimes we'll throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know what that means? I'm going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It means that, 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 that if, 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 some part, if somebody does something wrong, I'm going to think that everybody that's doing it is doing it wrong. You follow me? So I'm going to just throw it all out. What I would tell you is properly discern the word of God and see what God's had to say because I believe we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen? As a matter of fact, the Bible says it. I don't have time to go right there, but it's talking about the fact that, that when you give in your time of abundance, it can be a supply for the other person's lack such that when you're in lack, when they're in abundance, they can in turn, amen, help you out. But if I don't have anything, how am I going to help you? We both sit over like, I'm hungry. Yeah, hungry. That's what the O, hungry. If both of us are broke, we can't help each other. But in my abundance, it'll be a supply for your lack. So when I'm in lack, then your abundance can help me. Because, guys, I'm here to tell you, you, you are where you are right now, but you won't know where you're going to be next week. Life is filled with swift transition. Are y'all with me today? All right, so let's go. All right, so know the word of God and have the courage to defend it. Number two, watch and pray. Everybody say, watch and pray. Go with me, if you will, to Luke 21, verse 34 through 36. Watch and pray. Know the word of God and have the courage to defend it. You may not know every theological argument that he is to have, but know your testimony. Can't nobody tell your testimony like you can. You know what God has done for you. And can't nobody steal that from you. Are y'all with me today? All right, watch this. Luke chapter number 21, verse 34 through 36. Let's go. All right. Let me get to it right quick. Luke. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. See, with technology, you got to always be prepared. Sometimes it gets stuck. There we go. Here we go. Okay. It says, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness. How many of y'all been carousing and getting drunk? Who's talking here? Our Savior. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware. Read on. Let's read. It says what? Like a trap. For the day will come upon everyone living on the earth. 36 says this. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Watch and pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6 through 8. First Thessalonians verse 5, verse 6 through 8. So, guys, Jude, don't forget the context. He starts out writing about the common salvation, but he makes a U-turn, an audible is called, because there's something serious going on in the church. People were teaching that it's okay to live however you want to live, and nobody better not say anything about it. You, you're your own man. You're your own person. No, Bible says you've been bought with the price. You belong to God. If you belong to God, God has a right to tell you what the, he has a right to tell what belongs to him. What belongs to him, tell him what, what to do. I have a right, if it's my car, to go paint it white if I want to. Or purple. If it's my car. But I can't borrow your car for the weekend and come back in this in this uh it's candy apple red. Can I? And not have some issue because you hate red. But I went paint your car red, acting as if, as if it was mine, but it was not mine. Okay, watch this. So be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be what? Clear-headed. Text says this, next verse. 
Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. Is that true? Read that again. Night is the time when people sleep. Most of y'all sleep at night, right? And drinkers get drunk. Y'all get drunk at night? Do you get drunk? Okay, don't. Okay, thank you, thank you. Next verse, read it. It says what? But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Okay? All right, so watch and pray. Next thing we got to do is separate ourselves from those who deny the word. Those who deny the word. I'm not talking about somebody who, who, who lacks understanding, but there are those who deny the word. Apostates are those who, who, who deny the word. Let's go to Romans, the 16th chapter right quick. Romans 16. Because, God, this is really important for us to understand. Some people you have to remove yourself from. When they become apostate, when they are denying the truth. Romans 16, verse 17. Let's look at that right quick. Text says this, Paul writing, and now I make one more appeal. My dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people. Listen to this. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. What does Paul say? Stay away from them. Read, can we read it out loud on purpose? Let's read. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, Paul in here is dealing with some issues because you had the, the church as a new entity was in the earth around. You had Jew and Gentile who came together into one body, the body of Christ. And there was some friction there. There were some things that were being taught uh, from, the, uh, from the, their Judaic background that was brought into the, into, the, into the New Testament church. And there were those who were, who were Gentiles who really didn't have a faith walk and they were pagans and they brought some of their paganistic attitudes into the church. And Paul has to deal with it, has to, has to follow and try to deal with those divisions. And now I make one more appeal. My dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them. Is that what he says? 18, let's read. Come on, let's go. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests by smooth talk and glowing words. They deceive innocent people. And guys, that's happening in the church today. They deceive innocent people. Next verse, let's read. Come on, let's go. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy, Paul says. Uh, I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. Verse 20. The God of peace will what? Soon crush Satan under your feet. Yes, he will. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So separate yourselves from those who deny the word. These apostates, look at them. They, they, they reject divine authority. Go back to Jude. And we're going to wrap this thing up real quickly. Go back to Jude. And look at verse number 8 through 11. We see this, that the apostates, they reject divine authority. Whenever you find somebody who will not submit themselves to divine authority, divine authority is, is heavenly or kingdom authority. And that kingdom authority, and uh, whenever there's a kingdom, you have a king, and Jesus is our king, right? And so uh, we're, we're, we're supposed to live as kingdom citizens in this earth, as kingdom citizens following the rule of God in our life. He says, in the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives. They defy authority and they scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. Hold another sermon. We don't have time to get there today. Let's keep reading. But these people scoff at things they don't understand. That's why I get back to, guys, you got to realize that the person who's not spending time in God's word will not understand God's word, even if you're saved. That's what was happening to the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth was made up of spiritual babies. And they had arguing, fussing, fighting, sexual immorality because they were not standing the word and doing that word. But these people scoff at things they don't understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them. And so they bring about their own destruction. Verse 11, what sorrow awaits them for they follow in the footsteps of Cain who killed his brother like his brother, like Balaam, they deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in everybody. Here he gives three more examples of judgment coming. Guys, what I'm trying to tell you is that God, God gives us a chance to get out of stuff. 
If you belong to him, he gives you opportunity to get out of what you're in that you shouldn't be in. But if he has to, everybody say, if he has to. If he has to, he will pull the cover off of your secret sin, that stuff you've been doing, amen, when you think nobody knows what you're doing, that stuff where you've been secretly meeting. You know, I was, I was, I was listening to, and sometimes I'll just listen to uh, the oldies radio, Soul Town on XM Radio, uh, and there was a song that came on, and I, I listened to it, and it was, I'd heard it numerous times, and the song is called Me and Mrs. Jones. And I sat there and listened to that. Some of y'all, some of y'all older heads may remember that, uh, but it's, it talks about the fact that, uh, you know, it's, 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 the operative word is me and Mrs. Jones. So this guy was talking about the fact that they would meet at the same cafe every, every day, holding hands, making all kinds of plans. And he comes and said, me and, and Mrs. Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones. We got a thing going on. What was they had going on? They were involved in an adulterous affair. That's what me and I don't want to hear nobody here singing me and Mrs. Jones. <laughs> but when I was listening to that thing, that thing got good. And I am thinking, okay, wait, 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 wait. Come on back, come on back to earth. Come on back to earth. That's me and Mrs. Jones. They had a secret thing going on. The guy said, nobody knows we're meeting here. I'm here to tell you, God knows. And what God will do is, God, if you belong to him, he'll give you opportunity to get out of it, to release. But if you belong to him and you have fallen into sin, because Christians can fall in sin, don't you dare think that because you are saved that you are not above falling. You better be on guard. Everybody got to be on guard. If I push your button the wrong way, some of y'all will curse me out. <laughs> be, on, be on guard. Everybody say, be on guard. Say, be on guard. What sorrow awaits them? For they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother like Balaam. They deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. He gave some other examples. God loves us enough, but he'll judge unrepentant sin. These apostates, they reject the divine authority. They resort to deliberate hypocrisy and they receive their due punishment. They receive their due punishment. So what does it take to stand firm and resist the apostates? Closing out. In verses 17 through 25, we see these, these four, four points. And I want you to just meditate on these when you get home, okay? If we're going to stand firm and resist the apostates, the apostates are those who rejected truth and they're promulgating or they're promoting false teaching. Number one, we got to do what? What do we say? We got to remember God's word. You can't remember God's word if you never put it into your remembrance. Remember something means that at some point in time you were exposed to it. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh and dwelt among men. God and his word are one and the same. Wisdom and the word are one and the same. So if I, if I got to remember God's word, I, got to, I, got, I, can't, I can't argue politically. Stop arguing politically political with people. Argue, argue, if you're going to argue, if you're going to defend the faith, you got to defend what the word of God teaches, no matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican. All right? If you sit up here thinking that, 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 that the political system is going to save this country, you are sadly mistaken. They can't, they can't even vote on the simplest things. And by the way, the church is not like, a, like, like, like Congress. The church is not a democracy. It's a theocracy. Y'all know that, right? All right? The church can't... If you voted on everything in the church, you have people who, know, who don't even know the Lord, but a member of the church, voting on God's plan. How are you going to vote on God's plan? You don't even know God. The church is not a democracy. It's a theocracy. It's a kingdom, okay? Remember God's word. Build your Christian life. Build your, your, your faith. Look at, build your Christian life. Number, the, the third one, exercise spiritual discernment. And lastly, commit yourself to Jesus Christ. As you finish reading that chapter, guys, you'll see those, those, those points that, that will help you in your walk to be able to defend the faith, getting ready to fight for truth, getting ready to fight and defend the truth of the gospel because there are those in the walls of the church who are saying something different than what God says. And each one of us need to be prepared to fight, fight for truth. 
don't, well, I, you know, I, didn't, I didn't want to cause any disagreement. Well, that person is causing disagreement because they're promoting stuff that's not true. These false teachers, these Gnostics were saying, you can do whatever you want to do. Sexuality, you know, beating people out of money. Uh, money and sex was the issue, I told you. Uh, but we as a body of believers got to fight for truth. Earnestly contend for the faith. Get ready to fight. Every head, body, by clothes.